Yep, yep. Yeah. I remember and going so- back to work after getting sick, and I was like, I can only work Monday, Wednesday, and Friday because Tuesday and Thursday I need to recover from oh, yeah. the day before. My off days, it was all recovery, just yep. laying around. And I gave everything I could and pushed through for work, and there was nothing left. Welcome Um, to the Controlled Health Podcast, where we discuss topics on whole body wellness so that you can take back control of your health. Hello, if you have not been here before, my name is Andrea, and I am your host for the Controlled Health Podcast. First, I just want you to note that this podcast is for educational purposes only, and if you choose to implement anything that is spoken of in this show to please seek a healthcare professional. Second, in today's video, I want to apologize for my audio. Lynn's audio is great, but mine seems to... um, not be as high quality. It kind of sounds like I'm underwater, but I got a new mic. And if you are on YouTube, you will be able to see my new mic. Um, So hopefully that will fix any audio issues going forward. But in this conversation, Lynn talks about the struggles that she has went through with mast cell activation syndrome and something called hereditary alpha tryptosemia. I know that's a mouthful, but her and I discuss uh, what that is and what the symptoms are like. I personally have dealt with mast cell activation syndrome. I don't believe I have the hereditary gene mutation like she does, but. I definitely have to be careful because my body does not detox properly. Lynn also shares her struggles that she dealt with with morbid obesity. She was around 350 pounds and out of desperation, she knew that she had to do something. So she turned to the carnivore diet. Since then, she has experienced so many changes, including weight loss, less symptoms, and just overall well-being. Lynn is also still working to detox from mold, just like I am. And she is also a Christian. Her and I um, talk about Jesus all the time. She is such a dear friend um, and sister in Christ. But that is all. Now let's get to the show. Yeah. Well, how was your day today? What, 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 what did your Tuesday look like? Um, you know, so far, just really low-key. I have been... Um, doing some reading of the Dr. Georgia Edie's book, Change Your Diet, Change Your Mind. And because I'm supposed to be doing a book review on it end of February with Carrie from Homestead Howe. Okay. And so it is a very thick book, but it's really, really well done. And so I'm plugging through, you know, making sure I get that read. Do you actually read it or do you listen to it? I actually read it. Yeah. I am a lot skill nowadays. Yeah. I'm not very much of an auditory learner and I am a slow reader, but that's how I absorb. Mm. So I like the tactile actual book because I underline and stuff as well. So when I did theater, um, the only way I could memorize my lines was if I recorded myself and then listened to it. Oh, interesting. I could not memorize if I was constantly reading the script. I'd have to. So I'm a, 
I'm definitely an audio learner. And when I'm, I guess I'm a visual learner, but not when it comes to reading. Yeah. But if I, like when I did Muay Thai, if I saw somebody punch a certain way, then I could automatically just like do it. Um, yeah, not me, which is probably why I struggle with learning any co- sort of choreography. Because I could have somebody show me choreography and be very slow and it just doesn't enter the brain at all. <laughs> like, I don't know what you did, but it looks nothing like what I did. It's so funny. So, um, what, so I know you're currently, you're on, is it, um, disability? Did you actually get disability from having mast cell or? So I have been on disability, long-term disability through my former employer since I did have to retire, but they, I had been on disability while I was still working there as a nurse and it went from short-term disability into long-term disability. And, um, there is an application out there for SSDI. Um, that process takes a while it's under review. And I honestly don't know what the outcome is going to be because, um, I am improving. I just, you know, with mast cell disease, you never know when you're going to react to something. And I yeah. am much less reactive now, but I also haven't really been testing the limits and I haven't been under a really stressful, you know, situation like you would be in work you know, at nursing. And, um, and I, I, I would have bad chemical sensitivities too. So I, I don't know. It's just all up in the air right now to see whether or not it's going to continue. And if it doesn't, you know, it's all right. What, um, when did you start to get mast cell symptoms? I was actually in my twenties and there was no name for mast cell activation syndrome at that time. It was just that I, the first thing I started to experience was menstrual irregularities Mm -hmm. and, um, waking, and it was labeled as polycystic ovarian syndrome. Um, I don't want to cut you off, but isn't it so weird that those things are labeled normal and you would have never even thought that that was related to histamine and mast cell problems. Nor would the doctors ever suspect that as uh, either. And, um, I did not, and it, it was right at the time, you know, early nineties when, um, they knew to put people on birth control pills that had PCOS. And then a little few years later, they, they figured out that metformin is supposed to be really good for it and, and can help reverse your symptoms. And so they put me on metformin, which never worked, never did anything. And that was probably wow. the first clue that in your 20s, they put you I was in my twenties. Yeah. Um, at the same time, roughly the same time in that decade of being in my twenties, I was also developing very severe heat intolerance. And, um, I would develop kind of heat stroke like symptoms pretty early after being exposed to heat. And, um, I would get very nauseated and dizzy and, um, just feel like I was going to pass out. And, at first I thought, well, maybe I'm dehydrated and maybe I just need to wear a hat out in the sun. And so I tried that and it didn't make any difference at all. Um, and so I just blew it off. I was in my twenties. I was busy working on developing a career and I had at that point was married and, um, we were going through fertility treatments, trying to get pregnant. And, um, 
So I just didn't really think anything of it. And just like, okay, I guess I can't go out in the really, you know, hot heat, which was at the time we were living down in central California and it gets really hot there. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I also started to develop, to develop, um, really severe anxiety and I'd have panic attacks and even panic attacks in my sleep. Yeah. And, um, it was weird because I'd never had really never had issues with anxiety before, but those are kind of the three main things that showed up in my twenties was, um, the PCOS and the heat intolerance and then the anxiety. And then we did end up adopting a couple of children from foster care and they were, you know, they'd been through a lot and we were, you know, my daughter, we were her 12th home. My son, we were her ninth home and they had both gone through abuse that we didn't really know about at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course it, came out in their behavior. And so it was challenging at that point. I was in my early thirties and, um, I had a complete just nervous breakdown. The anxiety got so severe. Mm. Um, and at that time I wasn't a nurse. I had nursing as my second career. I was working as a corporate accountant and, um, I just one day had to leave work. I just told my coworkers I have to leave. And I drove myself to a psychiatric hospital because I was convinced in my mind that I was going to die. Like mm. I was and I could tell it was anxiety because I was really struggling to breathe, but I knew that it was not um, because of a lung issue or, or anything like that. I just knew intuitively that it was anxiety because I had been experiencing a little bit of it, but it got to the point where I just had these thoughts that I'm going to die if I don't get help. And so um, I drove myself to a psychiatric hospital and they ended up admitting me. And so I was there for about five days and then um, I don't remember a whole lot about it because I was just so exhausted. I think I slept. They couldn't get me up for groups. They couldn't barely get me up for meals. And the psychiatrist there diagnosed me with severe clinical depression, clinical Mm -hmm. anxiety, agoraphobia, and one other thing that I don't recall. Um, And then I ended up in a partial hospitalization program for weeks. But at home, I was just so... I had no energy at all. And I couldn't, my mind couldn't process even making a simple meal like spaghetti where there's just a few steps. Yeah, they did. They did. And, um, I don't remember everything. They had me on an antidepressant. They had me on, uh, anxiety medication. Um, then they had me later on some other medication to counteract the side effects of the medications that they had me on. And I can remember in our home, just having so much pent up energy from these medications that I was just pacing back and forth all over the house in the middle of the night, just trying to work that energy out of my legs. Like, and it, I felt like I should have just gone out and run a marathon at that point because I had so much energy, but they gave me another medication to counteract that side effect. Um, I had a doctor that diagnosed me incorrectly with type two bipolar disorder Mm. and put me on lithium, which just really messed me Mm. up. And so there was a period of quite a few years where I, it took me a while to kind of try to recover from that and, um, just heal my brain. And I did end up going off of medication, but, um, so as far as the mast cell disease, the symptoms for a couple of decades were more subtle. It was really more just the heat intolerance and things that I really didn't put two and two together. For example, we'd be out in traffic and I, the fumes from cars would give me a horrible headache. Um, 
And I just seem to be ultra sensitive to my environment. Mm. But, you know, here I was a mom and I was working and I was trying to push through. And um, so I just kind of dealt with it. Right. And well, so you, you actually have um, a mutation in your trip taste, right? Correct. Yes. Okay. I also have hereditary alpha tryptosemia, okay. which means that when, when my mast cells degranulate, they produce extra copies of tryptase. So I just want to let anybody who's listening, I have a, a video and I'll link it in the show notes of uh, me talking about mast cells and tryptase and all those things. Um, cause it can get kind of, um, it, it can get hard to understand, but once you understand that histamines or mast cells live in every part of your body, you realize that you can have a laundry list of symptoms Yes, that, that can happen. It can affect like your mental state. It can affect your digestion. It can affect your reproduction. It can affect your skin, which most, most muscles, joints, muscles, joints, bones, so, heart, lungs, yeah. everything. So I just wanted to, before we get any further, um, when I, so I, I don't think I have any mutation or, or anything like that. Um, but when I had pretty much the same thoughts of like, I'm dying right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if it, I mean, it did slowly build up. I started to get panic attacks mm-hmm. um, in like my late twenties. But when I like look back, I'm like, but I had digestive problems. My skin was always, um, I'd get like rashes on my skin. Yeah. I was always tired. Um, brain fog, you know, I mean, the list goes on. And then yeah. when I actually became bedridden and I tried to, I'm, I'm glad I didn't admit myself just because of hearing stories like, like you of, they just gave me psych meds and sent me on my way. Um, and I'm not, I'm not saying that those never work, but in a case of mast cell, that can actually make things worse. Well, fortunately, benzodiazepines will stable your, stabilize your mast cells. That's awesome. And so the medications that, but there are medications that are not good for mast cells activation syndrome, but the benzos are actually, some people overuse them to get their mast cell symptoms under control. And so you have to be really careful, but I still, I still do have a prescription for Ativan and every once in a while, I like before I figured out what medications over the counter medications will help me get a reaction under control quickly without needing an, my EpiPen, I would pop an Ativan yeah. and that would actually help. But that is not a recommendation for anybody because benzos no. <laughs> are addictive. That will, so when, when I realized that mine was a histamine problem, I would take um, a Zyrtec. And it yeah. would take, it would take my anxiety from a 10 to like a two. And I was like, this is absolutely yeah. crazy. And then of course, if I ate high histamine foods is when yeah. I kind of realized. And that is, that is one of the diagnostic criteria for mast cell disease is that your symptoms respond to antihistamines. Yeah. yeah. So and that's, that's, that's something that 
you can, you know, it's it's over the counter. People normally take Zyrtec anyways for, you know, whatever other allergies they're having. But, you know, even chronic allergies can be a mast cell dysregulation. Yeah, because I mean, the mast cells, I mean, just for anyone who doesn't understand what a mast cell is, we all have mast cells. They're produced in our bone marrow and they are a very important part of our immune system. And, you know, they're they're like, (laughs) yeah, I mean, they're not bad guys. They're the first responders of your immune system. And when they detect something that's in your body that shouldn't be there, um, they degranulate, basically they dissolve and release 200 plus chemical mediators out into your body to help coordinate your immune defense. And so histamine is probably one of the most, you know, plentiful of those chemical mediators. And people can generally understand the concept of histamine. And so when you're having an allergy and you feel horrible, whether it be an acute allergy, like someone who's got, you know, an allergic allergy to peanuts or a bee sting where they have a very quick onset of severe anaphylaxis. A lot of people just have a lower grade allergy where they just feel horrible. Mm. And that's the body responding to all this, you know, whatever it is you responded to and you didn't mounting a defense and the histamine is part of that. Um, but with mast cell activation syndrome, the mast cells are dysfunctional. And, um, so you mentioned fatigue and fatigue is profound with mast cell disease. And, um, I, it's funny because over the years I had people who were my family members accusing me of being lazy. Yep, me too. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times that happened. And, I'm not a lazy person. I have two, I have two bachelor's degrees. I raised two special needs kids. I've worked as an accountant. I have a second career as a nurse. Um, I'm not lazy. I just have had zero energy. And mm-hmm. even this, the exercise intolerance is a big fact, you know, thing with mast cell disease too. And um, so people would tell me, well, just get more exercise and you'll have more energy. But so I'm, of course I'm like, okay, I'll take that suggestion. So I would go exercise and I would, it would take me forever to recover. I mean, I would be days trying to recover from exercising. Um, yeah, so it's, but, but it's only been maybe a decade or so that there's actually been a name for this syndrome, right? You know, there was an awareness of systemic mastocytosis, which is, different. Your body's producing too many mast cells, but mass activation syndrome is more relatively recent as far as what we've known about it, because it's not that I have too many mast cells. It's the mast cells are not behaving properly. And they think everything is a problem. They think everything (laughs) is a reason to degranulate and release those chemicals and that make you feel horrible. And so I, my whole life, I felt terrible, you know, pretty mm-hmm. much every day of the year, I felt like I was coming down with something mm-hmm. and you can get these, sometimes it's like a pre-flu or, or pre-viral infection type symptoms where you're just exhausted and drained and you're achy and, you know, it can affect the sinuses too. You get congested and the brain fogs is horrible. And, you know, so we're walking around kind of like the walking dead, 
trying to push through feeling horrible every day. Yeah, I I went I've been working out and I've been doing pretty good, moderating, slowly increasing, but I I think I did too much yesterday and, and how you're explaining like the flu is kind of how I feel today. I just like my tonsils kind of feel tight and I'm just uh-huh. tired and I I I feel like I'm going to get sick kind of, but I I know I'm not because I right. know when I overdo it this happens every single time. Right. And, and I, and it's funny too, cause you, you know, I know too, when I'm, I'm not actually sick because you just kind of know what that feels like. Yeah. And it's like, you're leading up to trying to get sick, but you never do. You just keep feeling terrible. Yeah. Like my ears and, hurt. And yeah. It, and, and, uh, yeah. So I spent, I spent decades of my life living in that state uh-huh. And, um, you know, muscle pain and bone pain and joint pain. And, um, you know, over, over the course of the years, it just started to get worse. And this is with mast cell disease. It does tend to be progressive in nature. It gets worse as you get older, if you're not doing anything about it. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I, and I kept gaining weight and I, looking back, I mean, my eating was terrible. You know, there's no doubt about it. My eating was horrible, mm-hmm. but my quest was always for a source of energy because I felt terrible. So I was always looking for something to give me energy and sugar does that for a little while, you know? And so I would just try to ride the waves. If I started to crash more sugar, more carbs, you know, more of, of the garbage food that made me feel better. And so I was, my, who knows what my blood sugar was doing and my insulin levels were doing. Cause I'm sure that they were just up, down, up, down, up, down. Make I, mass cell worse. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. And I absolutely know developed some pretty severe insulin resistance and, um, you know, definitely over the ca- course of the last few years became pre-diabetic. Mm-hmm. Um, but it kind of, started to over the last decade and I'm 55 now. So it was maybe the last eight years. I, things started to ramp up as far as my symptoms. And, um, at that point I was a nurse and I was working in a hospital. And the first time I really had a more of an acute episode was at work. And I was going into, I was working with some patients that were on contact precautions. And so I had to gown up and do the whole PPE thing. And those cost, the gowns are very suffocating. They're hot. And um, so I was gowning up to go into a patient room and I started to feel dizzy. And so the nurses, my colleagues came and rushed for me because I said, I said, oh, I'm feeling guilty. And one of the nurses overheard me and they all kind of swarmed at me and um, took my vitals and my, I was experiencing severe tachycardia and hypertension. And Mm -hmm. um, so the charge nurse said, go down to the ER. And so I went down to the ER in the hospital. Good thing you were already there. (laughs) I was already there. Exactly. And um, so... And it was a wonderful, I, I loved my colleagues at that. It was a really great hospital. And, um, but yeah, every, everyone covered for my patients and they sent me down to the ER and the doctor down there did a full cardiac workup, did a CT scan of my head, make sure I wasn't having a stroke and, um, everything came out clear, no problems as far as they were concerned and sent me home with some meclizines and maybe it's your ear. 
And so I took the meclizine and it didn't do anything. So I ended up following up with the neurologist and the neurologist did an MRI of my brain, didn't find any issues. And, you know, over the course of the years, until I got diagnosed, I had seen like 17 different specialists trying to figure out what was wrong with me with all the weird symptoms I was having over the years. And I've been tested for rheumatoid arthritis and I've all these other different things and diagnosed with fibromyalgia and diagnosed mm-hmm. kind of alluded to chronic fatigue syndrome. Did you feel crazy through all of this? I did. And it was exhausting too, because I just you know, and it's funny because when you deal with anxiety and my anxiety was very much um, a hypochondriac. And so when I ended up going for my second career in nursing, I just told my husband, I said, well, yeah, this is going to be a breeze because I've already read about or manifested every <laughs> disease in the book, you know, and because uh, I was trying to figure myself out and figure out what on earth is wrong with me. And, you know, the problem with going to a specialist is they're just looking at your one facet of what's going on. And with mast cell disease, you really do have to look at it from a holistic standpoint. And again, that, you know, there wasn't a name for it at the time. But um, so I just continued to push through that episode passed and I knew I didn't feel well, but I'm working 12 hour shifts. Um, I had nothing left to give outside Mm of work. I would come home and I would just crash and my off days, I couldn't do anything. Except lay around. I couldn't cook because the heat from the kitchen would make me feel dizzy. Um, couldn't do dishes. Same thing because just the heat from the the, the running water and the mm-hmm. faucet would make me feel dizzy. I couldn't take a hot shower for sure. I'd feel like I was going to pass out. I was. I couldn't raise my arms to to wash my hair very well. So I was mm-hmm. hardly showering. Maybe once a week. Sometimes it was like ten days. I would take a bath because I could handle sitting down and bathing myself, or I'd, you know. So that's actually when I was, um, I guess more my high school. Whenever I would do my hair, and I was blow drying my hair and stuff, I I noticed I was like, man, I cannot do this, and I would have to like sit down or prop my leg up or, or something. And I think that would, that's more of like the pot the pots. That I was dealing with. But when, yeah. I, when I hear people talk about pots, I'm like, make sure to check for mast cell because mast cell can cause pot symptoms. And it, you know, all these diseases and stuff, whenever somebody says they've got diagnosed, they say, okay, but we need to find out why. And even, right. even mast cell in itself, isn't the root it's like exactly why am why I- am i having mast cell dysfunction yeah exactly yeah so and you know i think that now that I, now that i have the diagnosis and i did have to give a bone marrow biopsy to get the diagnosis oh, but wow. um now that i have the diagnosis i can look back and go yeah i i've actually worked with patients that i think have may have this too because they're like me, me. yeah they're like baffled and that I've been to so many doctors, the doctors can't figure them out. Um, but it did take a while because even when I, I had that episode at the hospital, when I was at work, that was in, I think 2014 or so. Um, I just kind of kept moving forward. And then I had another kind of more of an acute episode in 2016 and this was at home Mm -hmm. and I have no clue what triggered it. I was just sitting comfortably watching some TV And all of a sudden, this was the first time I actually had throat swelling and my throat started to swell. 
and I could feel I was having tachycardia and I waited a few moments, but it was obviously not passing. And so I called 911, got up and took Benadryl. My daughter was hanging out in her room, let her know. I just called 911. She's like, what, what, you know? And so I went and unlocked the front door and I went back and sat down and just waited for them to arrive. And, um, so they showed up and they took my vitals and I don't forget what my heart rate was. I know it was really high, but my, I do remember my blood pressure, which was 220 over 120. It was really bad, dangerously high. And so they took me to the ER and, um, by the time I got to the ER, I think the Benadryl kind of helped a little bit, but the doctor ran a series of tests and suspecting an allergic reaction because of the throat swelling and all of the allergy specific tests came back negative, but this doctor happened to run a serum triptase and said, my, said, told me your triptase is elevated. And so he sent me home with some, um, some prednisone and told me can take Benadryl and, you know, not only like five days of, of prednisone and I felt amazing on the prednisone. Um, See, I didn't, which is weird. I, they gave me prednisone when I started to get hives and I didn't want to take it, but I did. And I got so sick. I Interesting. Mean, I was, it's, I it's, so it has a lot of side effects. It can have a lot of side yeah. effects and there are people that just don't tolerate prednisone. Yeah, I and again, I was well. only on five days. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so it was just a really, really short course. It wasn't even long enough to need a taper down or anything like that. Right. Yeah. So I think it was like 40 milligrams a day for five days. I think that's what they did with me, but I got like a, almost like pneumonia. It was like, I was coughing up stuff, couldn't breathe. Wow. I know. And I think that is one of, I think it says like, if you experience this, call your doctor. But I'm like, I'm not calling him because <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> yeah. Just stop taking it. Yeah. But okay. yeah, it, it ended up being, it ended up making me feel really good. That's- and I wasn't on it long enough to experience any side effects. Um but so the doctor at the ER said, I want you to go see an allergist mm-hmm. and because an allergist is the type of doctor that will, will diagnose mast cell disease. And so I went to see this doctor who's also an, he's an allergist and, and an immunologist. And, um, this was in 2016. And so he said, well, I think possibly you might have mast cell disease, but we need to check again. And so he ordered a serum triptase test and he ordered a 24 hour urine collection that was to look for some of these chemical mediators that are excreted in the urine. Mm -hmm. And so I got the kit and, and, um, but he said, I want you to do it when you're in the middle of having a reaction, get these labs done. And which is hard. And I ended up, (laughs) right. I mean, last thing you want to do is go get lab work done when you're, when you're in the middle of a reaction. And, And if it was as severe as before, I would have been at the ER. Right. But, um, I ended up having the next two reactions when we were on vacation and we were on the East coast and, and we were at ground zero in Manhattan when I had a reaction. And I really believe it's cause I got too warm and we had been out walking and it was, it was a nice day. But at that time I didn't realize that UV, the UV index was a factor for me as well, because I can res- you know, respond negatively when the UV is too high. But then also we were in the subway in New York, which is very stuffy. 
but we made our way over to ground zero. And when we were there at ground zero, um, I started to, the symptoms started to sit in and I started to feel dizzy and nauseated and feeling like I was going to pass out. And I told my husband, we got to get back to the hotel. And I knew I needed to get someplace cool. And we had to get, go back through the subway. So I, I was miserable. And then I, that was the first time I found out that if I don't get this out of away from my triggers pretty fast, um, I will develop really severe abdominal cramping. And so that happened and it took me hours laying in the air conditioned hotel room to recover from that. And then I had another maybe milder episode a couple days later, but, I had um, a similar experience when I went to Aruba, uh, a couple years, well, last, not the December that just passed, but the prior one, um, in 2022. And, um, I had just moved to North Carolina, so it was cool. And then we went to Aruba and it was hot and humid and, and humid. I, even though we were like on little bikes and stuff and even we rented like, um, like a four wheeler halfway through, I was like, I can't do this. And we were in the middle of nowhere on this four wheeler. Oh, no. And I said, I'm going to pass out. And I had water with me and I, you know, I, I had a hat on, I had glasses because even sometimes the light will bother me. Like I, I did everything that I knew I could do. I ate before I went, like all these things. And they had to, I had to sit in the back with my legs yeah. in the air. And then when we got back to the hotel, Dan had to like carry me in, in upstairs. And we had to, um, I, I, I wasn't able to cool down. Like I wasn't sweating. I was overheating and he, I, he threw me into the shower, into the shower and put like, um, cold packs in the yeah. armpits and yeah and I was like is this gonna be the rest of my life because this is because I, I mean I grew up in Florida I used to ride horses in the middle of summer yeah like, I was like what is what is wrong is I was the same growing up in Central Valley of California where it was always like triple digits in the summer and I yeah. was out there in the middle of the heat just loving it and yeah I know I totally understand and it's it's like you're afraid to go do things yeah when, when you're always wondering if you're going to have a reaction and I always have little, my rescue meds with me wherever I go. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's, it's very life altering because yeah. there's always that fear in the back of your mind that something's going to happen and you're going to be out in the middle of nowhere. Which also drives histamine. Yeah. <laughs> fear, yeah. Fear yeah. So it's, just, it's like a vicious cycle. So you were, um, so you were in Manhattan, you had an episode and you were, this is when your doctor was telling you to do the labs and stuff. So, right, right. So it didn't get it done. And, um, you know, and then we were on it, we were in Manhattan for a few days and then we went on a cruise and the second one happened in um, Portland, Maine when we were on a short, you know, offshore. And, um, oh, it was, I was pretty close to the ship. And so when I started to feel the symptoms kick in, I told my husband, we need to get back to the ship. And so I can cool down. And, you know, it wasn't that it was very hot. And this is the first time that I really figured out that it really isn't the, how hot it is outside. Like I overheat, I can overeat, overheat in 70 degrees. Yeah. And, you know, now I live up in Washington state and I, have found that we used to go to the street festival nearby and I've had this happen at the street festival and it's beautiful, but 
the UV index is higher. I notice if it's cloudy, I tend to be fine. But if it's a nice sunny day and it doesn't, it doesn't have to be warm, it just has to be sunny with the UV index, you know, moderate mm -hmm. to high and I can have a reaction. Um, but so it's like hard to diagnose, hard to get a diagnosis. And so I returned home and I just continued to avoid these triggers. I was figuring out, you know, what my tr triggers were and I just kept avoiding them. And so everything kind of came to, came to like full circle during the pandemic. Um, because we, you know, I was working as a nurse, I was working outpatient nursing at the time in gastroenterology and hepatology. And, you know, March of 2020, when everything hit the fan, they sent anybody who could work from home, they sent home. And I had already been working from home one day a week because a lot of what I was doing when I wasn't working with patients face to face, I was on the phone and triaging patients that called in in a panic because of their symptoms or helping coordinate care um, between the patients and the doctors, educating patients and that sort of thing. And so we all got, any of us who could work from home, we got sent home. And so from about March to June, we were working from home. And then in June, they started bringing patients back in for nurse visits. And the manager said, we just want one nurse at a time to come in and do these patient visits. So when my turn came, and this was before they were making everybody mask up for the whole day. And I was working 10 hour days at this point, it was fairly early and they were just making us wear a mask when we were face to face with a patient. And so I was doing a patient visit and I had this surgical mask on and the heat from my breath triggered a mast cell reaction. And I started having the throat swelling and the dizziness and the nausea set in. So I went to my manager. I told her what happened and she said, go home. And um, so I ended up, they made accommodations for me. And I ended up being the only nurse on my nursing team who worked from home during the whole pandemic. And I was very grateful for that yeah. um, because I could not wear a mask and it didn't just affect my work, it affected me going any place because they, they were making everywhere you went. I mean, you know how it was, they were making everybody wear masks. And so I was very limited in what I could do. I was not happy about that, but you know, it was, it was what it was. Um, but then what happened was as things got to be settled down a little bit, it was, um, early 2022, my manager's boss said, we need all of our nurses to be able to be in the office. And they wanted me to go back to just doing my one day a week at home and the rest of the days in the office. And so my manager said, well, you're going to have to figure out how to come in here and wear a mask. They were still making everybody wear masks. And um, they said, you're going to have to come in and figure out how to wear a mask or we're going to have to try to, through the organization, find a job that's technically a remote job for you, which I didn't want. I loved my schedule. I was only working three days a week and I didn't want to go to eight to five, five days a week. I just yeah. knew my energy levels were horrible. I needed those days in between to recover. We all know what we put in our body matters, but what we put on our skin also matters. That is why I'm a huge advocate for putting things natural on our skin like tallow or olive oil. But in my case, I found that sometimes it doesn't really do the trick. So I have to rely on other products. One of my favorite 
products that I rely on is Beauty Counter. Their products not only get the job done, they go above and beyond to make sure that their products are clean and safe. In fact, most of their products are actually EWG certified. EWG is the Environmental Working Group, and their mission is to provide research so you can make an informed decision to live a healthy life free of toxins. They focus on everything from food, water, agriculture, to things like PFAs and personal care products. Most of our products nowadays can cause hormonal disruption and even make our skin worse. This is why I rely on EWG to, to see if my products are safe. Back to Beauty Counter, one of my favorite products right now is this All Bright Vitamin C. This uses all natural vitamin C from turmeric and camu camu to help even skin tone and even help with the radiance of your skin. If you would like to support my show or see all the other products that Beauty Counter offers, you can go to the link in the show notes below. Also, if it is your first time shopping with Beauty Counter, you can get 20% off your first order using Clean For All 20. Also, don't forget to check out EWG to see if your household products and body care products are safe. Now, back to the show. Yep, yep. Yeah. I remember and going back to work after getting sick and I was like, I can only work Monday, Wednesday, and Friday because Tuesday and Thursday I need to recover from oh, yeah. the day before. My off days, it was all recovery, just laying around. And I gave everything I could and pushed through for work and there was nothing left. Um, so I just asked them, is it okay? You know, I was in the middle of getting an investigation of what was going on several years ago. Is it okay if I... Um, go back to see the doctor. And over the course of the time, um, I had actually been on FMLA off and on because I was having these weird reactions. I was having flushing really bad. Um, or if I was at work and I'd go sit by a sunny window in the break room, I'd go back into in, the office with my colleagues and they would go, what is wrong with you? Because my face was beet red and full of blotches. And I was having these UV type reactions to the sun and um, I would get these, they felt like menopausal hot flashes and I was not in menopause. I still haven't reached menopause, but. Um, I get those blotches too when I take hot showers. Oh my goodness. Yeah. All over my like, legs. And I scared kind of, people. Yeah. I, when I, it, they kind of, they're, I wouldn't say they're raised like, like a, like like hives but they when um if I like sit on, out in the sun too I'll get like the splotchy or if the like if I'm driving and the sun comes to the window and it's on part of my leg it's like that even my computer too if I set my computer on my lap oh yeah it's warm radiation from from the computer yeah. will give me the little uh blotchy rashes yeah my and mine was mostly in my face which is horrible I mean, (laughs) oh my gosh. Yeah. It looked, I looked horrible and I did end up, you know, I went to see a dermatologist who said it was rosacea, which I, I know that I do have rosacea issues. Those, that reaction was kind of acute when I'd have those types of, you know, by the window reactions. Yeah. I was worried my coworker. So I had already been experiencing weird symptoms, um, over the years that I worked in outpatient nursing, but, um, 
I, uh, I, so I did end up going back to the allergist and the allergist said, you know, let's just test you. Let's not wait for you to have a reaction. Let's just test and see what comes mm-hmm. up. So I did the serum tryptase. I did the 24 hour urine collection and the serum tryptase came back elevated again, more elevated than it was when I was actually having a reaction in 2016 and I was in the wow. ER and it was 20 something. And 20 is the cutoff for when they just don't know if it's systemic mastocytosis versus mast cell activation syndrome. The way to find out is to go have a bone marrow biopsy. Right. And, and one of the, one of the things in the urine test was also elevated as well. But, um, so I ended up having a bone marrow biopsy in March of 22 and which took me forever to recover from. I did not know at the time that there's a protocol for premedicating for procedures with mast cell disease. And so I didn't know at the time about the society website. There's a website that is called tmsforacure.org. And that has a lot of resources, emergency protocols. You know, there are medications that are not compatible with mast cell disease. So it lists all those and it tells you what to take before a procedure so that the procedure itself doesn't stimulate degranulation of the mast cells. So I knew enough to take Benadryl. So I at least had taken some Benadryl beforehand. Yeah. But they were still requiring masking. And even though it was the masking that triggered my throat swelling, which I found out later is a stage of anaphylaxis, And I didn't know that there's actually stages to anaphylaxis. Even as a nurse, all I ever heard about was the final stage, which is the severely life-threatening stage. But there are stages to anaphylaxis. And what I was experiencing was the lower levels of anaphylaxis. And I went back and I learned about it. I learned I had been very frequently experiencing stage one and stage two, and sometimes even some stage three. Now, stage four is the life-threatening one. So I, I never went there. But they were still requiring masking. And I was like, and I saw, I I told them that I said the mask, the heat from my breath causes my throat to swell. And they didn't care. They said, you got to wear one. And so every moment I could, when no one was in the room with me, I took it off. Um, But they didn't even require me to get a COVID test ahead of time. So it's like, I would have gotten one to prove that I don't have an infection. I'm not going to give you anything. Can I please not wear the mask? but they, they didn't want the COVID test. They just wanted me to wear a mask. And if I had some anaphylaxis, it was like, I was, I was upset. Needless to say, I was very like, I'm, I work in healthcare. I'm a nurse. I never realized that the, the needs for protecting themselves would supersede the need of the patient. And I was Mm -hmm. very, very put off by that. But I got through it, and fortunately, the actual operating room where they took me for the bone marrow biopsy was cold, <laughs> so that helped. But it took me at least a couple of weeks to just recover from my flare-up from that. But I did end up um, getting diagnosed with mast cell activation syndrome. They ruled out systemic mastocytosis. And so, um, go ahead. But the thing is, and then I started learning about it, and the thing about it is that one of the keys is to identify your triggers and avoid your triggers. And so I had to tell my employer, I can't come in and wear a mask (laughs) because it's one of my triggers and I I just can't do it. Um, So I was, 
in the process of trying to figure out what to do with my job. And I ended up having a horrific flare. I ended up getting this abscess on my chest. Um, I had an existing little tiny cyst and I'd been watching it, but because of my access to medical care during the pandemic, because of the masking thing, I hadn't got it checked out. And, but I was watching it. I see it hadn't grown and, but I ended up picking up, found out later, I ended up picking up a weird bacteria in a hot tub that was under chlorinated. And I developed this abscess and it got badly, it was badly infected. And they put me on antibiotics didn't, that didn't work. And I ended up, ended up getting really mushy and I went in and I bit the bullet and went into this urgent care clinic and fought with them about the masking issue and told them I cannot wear a mask. And every time I'd go in, it was like a fight, but, um, they had to drain and irrigate it. And it turns out that it had tunneled all the way to my sternum. And so I had, yeah. So they had to pack it, leave it open. They couldn't suture it up because it had to heal from the sternum up to the skin. And so I had to every other day go back and get it repacked. And it was painful. And every day it was a different doctor. And I had to re-explain the whole masking issue and my mast cell disease. And it was very stressful. I think the combination of the stress and the um, infection itself put me into a huge mast cell flare. And I was still working from home, but I was always dizzy. The fatigue was incredibly intense. My brain fog was through the roof. I couldn't find my words. My brain would freeze. Mm -hmm. I would slur my speech. I would, wrong words would come out. Mm -hmm. I would end up with nausea, abdominal cramping. Um, I, I couldn't work. So I had to go, I just wasn't safe for me to be working with patients. And I had to be, have a thinking brain in order to work with patients. And so I ended up going on medical leave and, um, I was on medical leave for almost a full year and horribly deconditioned. And I had gone to see a naturopathic doctor because the allergist threw some medications at me and said, just come back in three months if you're not feeling better. Never said a word about triggers. I haven't asked him, well, should I go on a low histamine diet? And this was after I did a little research, right? And he says, well, you can try it if you want to. It wasn't like... Yes, you need yes. to be on a low histamine yeah. diet. Of course. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I ditched him. He was useless and I ended up going to see a naturopathic doctor. I got tested for I did the mycotoxin test. Ended up testing positive on the mycotoxin test. Um we brought in a professional home mold inspector and did a home inspection on our home which came out beautifully clean. He said it's probably the cleanest mm-hmm. he's seen. So I'm suspecting that it's my body, that I'm not clearing mold yeah. like I should. I may be one of those people. It's like what one in four people has that genetic mutation. Yeah, the MTHFR. Yeah, yeah. So I was suspecting that. And um, so I've been working on trying to detox. Not, I don't think I've been doing it properly. And it's been, the doctor took a conservative approach just because of my mast cell flare. Yeah, yeah. And um, so I did take glutathione. I couldn't go in an infrared sauna, which I know is a good way to detox because I couldn't handle the, the, the heat, but I could handle a hot bath because the top half of me didn't get too 
you know, was able to stay cool. So I was doing like nightly hot baths with Epsom, with Epsom salts. Um, but I was so deconditioned because I was just laying around because I couldn't do anything. And I ended up having a lot of issues with my lower back, so much pain all over my body. Um, and I got to refer to my list here because I know I had so many symptoms. I forget about them, but I still had the flushing. I had the, the rosacea. I had horrible itching like just unbelievable itching. Um, and I would just drive my, I scratched myself and I would injure myself and I didn't end up with boils. Um, I had the lightheadedness. I had, um, heart palpitations. Um, I don't know. My blood pressure was probably all over the place. I had bladder irritability. I, I would have incontinence where I couldn't make it to the bathroom, but there were also times where I, it was completely involuntary. My bladder would just release its contents. And it happened to me when sitting in a restaurant one time and it was absolutely horrifying. And, um, yeah, that was terrible. That was terrible. And at this point in my life, all the the female issues weren't an issue. I have a Marina IUD, which stopped all the bleeding, but before that I had horrible uterine bleeding. I had bone pain, muscle pain, joint pain. I had horrible abdominal bloating, um, pain that would travel all over my abdomen, uh, bad acid reflux, um, congestion, the throat swelling, drainage and itchiness out of my ears and my eyes. Um, sometimes I'd really have a trouble getting a deep breath. I mean, the myriad headaches, brain fog, the cognitive dysfunction. I mean, and we're just told that this is normal. Like this is, and it, it's so sad. I, I, like people tell me, you know, they have symptoms like that. Like, oh, I'm, I'm fine. Like, no, like you're supposed to not have, you're supposed to feel good. Like I didn't know how bad I felt until I actually felt good. Yes. And so tell me a little bit about, I know, I don't know how long you've been carnivore, but has that helped with a lot of the symptoms? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So I by the time I got to May of last year, I had been almost a year on medical leave and horribly deconditioned, dealing with all these symptoms that I just went through. And um, I had been on the carnivore diet for about six weeks back in October to mid-November of 2021, but it was for a different reason. Um, and it was working well. And then I stopped doing it when my why disappeared <laughs> Yep. because um, I was just doing it to get as healthy as I could. Cause I knew we were going to, I was going to get COVID <laughs> and, you know, being morbidly obese. And I didn't even mention how much I weighed. I was pushing 350 pounds wow. and I was morbidly obese prior to my mast cell flare, but I gained even more weight during my mast cell flare. But, um, but once I, once I got COVID and, and came through it, no problem. I was I quit doing the carnivore diet and, um, so, and I was, you know, and I didn't take the COVID shot. I, I, I was done trusting of it, but, you know, I think I'm, I'm glad looking back that, that I didn't because of all the issues with it, but also just now that I know I have muscle disease, I'm yeah. would be quite nervous as to how I respond. Um, but so I was doing everything else I could to try to stay as healthy, get my vitamin D levels up and all that. But once we, once I sailed through COVID and didn't have any issues with it, I stopped doing the carnivore diet. But 
may have left last year in 2023 when I was just in the worst shape ever and I could barely walk. I mean, I was limping everywhere. I couldn't, I was so dizzy. I couldn't walk a straight line and I was in so much pain and um, suffering from so many symptoms. My husband just said, why don't, why don't you try the carnivore diet again? And yeah. yeah. <laughs> and last time I did it by myself. So I said, will you do it with me? I feel like I need some support. Will you do it with me? And he said, yes. And, and I knew I was going to be a cripple if I didn't do something. And so my why changed for sure. And so I went cold Turkey and just committed a hundred percent. I started my YouTube channel, midlife carnivore to hold myself accountable. Um, and just started putting videos out there and found the carnivore community to be unbelievably supportive. And I mm-hmm. got this group of cheerleaders cheering me on and, yeah. and I started to see results. And within probably two to three days, I noticed a significant difference in my inflammation. Yeah. Unbelievable. I was like, wow, okay. I'm noticing that this is, this is making a difference right away. And of course I, like, right away, I started losing weight. Um, but gradually I just noticed that my symptoms were getting better and better. And before I started the carnivore diet, so I have these rescue medications, which I figured out from a Facebook group and some videos that I watched to some doctors that these are good rescue medications. It's a chewable Pepsid and a rapid dissolved Claritin. I pop them both. Mm -hmm. If I start to have throat swelling, um, and they'll kind of take care of it real quickly. But, um, I was taking those two to three times a week and then I started in, and I didn't even add the, the Pepsi. It's like the, the doctors I listened to just said the Claritin, but mm-hmm. I ended up having to go to the ER, I think in April of last year because of another throat swelling and severe tachycardia incident. And I, when I was in the ER, I felt like every cell of my body was vibrating and yeah, yeah. I think and, the springtime is hard for because I, I had a similar situation last April as well. My pots flared up so bad. I couldn't work, I couldn't walk, my tachycardia, I was having the throat swelling, everything. And I I think it was the pollen. Um Yeah, the, I don't the know change, the change of season. Yeah, it may it might have been that for me. Um I don't know, but it was it was, uh, it was weird. Cause as I'm sitting there, I'm laying there in the, in the ER and I just told the doctor, I said, I feel like every cell in my body is vibrating and it's a very unsettling feeling. And I actually, and I gave him the protocol, the emergency protocol, and we agreed most of the things didn't apply. We're not going to use an EpiPen on me. My heart rate was through the roof. We don't want to set no. it higher. Um, and so I said, can you give me the IV famotidine, which is the generic for Pepsid? And so they, he said, yeah, absolutely. So he gave me a 20 milligram dose of IV famotidine. So it went right into my bloodstream. Within, no, I just wanted, um, Pepsid is an H1 blocker. Is an, yeah, Pepsid is an H2 blocker. H2, okay. And then Correct. Claritin is an it's H1. Right, right. Um, which Claritin works more in your airway and in the Pepsi works more in your GI tract. And, um, but systemically it does work. And so um, I noticed within maybe 10, 15 seconds of getting that IV famotidine that that 
vibration feeling just settled right down. It was profound. And so that's when I added the chewable pepsid to my rescue medications. But um, yeah, so before I started the carnivore diet, I was needing to take those like every, like two, like every couple days. So maybe two to three times a week. And then after I started the carnivore diet, um, it went down to maybe one or two times a month. And so I was like, this is good. I'm having results, but I was still, my rosacea was starting to settle down, but it wasn't really, you know, settled down as I wanted it to be. I was still having gut, some gut issues with pain and, um, I was eating a regular carnivore diet. So I was doing a variety of different meats. I was eating bacon, butter, cheese, eggs. And so I started going back to the whole low histamine thing going, okay, I need to take another look. It had been so long since I looked at my really comprehensive list of the histamine when it comes to food. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm eating a lot of high histamine carnivore foods. And so I just, I, I cut back a little bit, but then I decided to do the lion diet and just yeah. as an elimination diet. So for six weeks, I did the lion diet and that's when I really noticed mm-hmm. a big leap in my improvement. Um, at this point, and I'm kind of still on it. I, I have added some seafood, but I've tried to add dairy back no, it doesn't work. And egg whites are high in histamine. So I don't do eggs. I haven't tried to add back egg yolks because egg yolks are okay. Um, but I'm basically kind of still on the lion diet with occasionally having some seafood. Um, I just don't feel as nourished if I'm not eating some sort of ruminant meat. Yeah. Uh, the ruminant meat just really f- feels like it's nourishing my cells. And, um, so since, so I don't even remember now the, since doing the lion diet, I, I don't even remember the last time I had to take my rescue medications. Yeah. It's probably been over two months, possibly three months since I've had to even take them. And so the, and my energy is definitely starting to improve. Like I didn't even try to exercise for the first few months because I was so incredibly deconditioned and the exercise intolerance was still a huge thing. And, um, so a few months in, I started to try to do some walking, limping, staggering. I probably looked drunk walking, walking, <laughs> trying to walk around my block, you know, but I did it. And then it was probably about five months into it that I actually started to feel like I wanted to exercise, which was the most bizarre feeling for me. Cause I've never felt like that. And since I was a kid and I started to get these overwhelming feelings a sensation of well-being that would set in. And it was extremely emotional to feel that because it's like, okay, wait a minute. Is this how people feel? Is this how I'm supposed to feel? Right. Unbelievable. Because I never felt like that. Like, yeah. I always felt terrible. Me either. I'm, I'm glad I found it. I found carnivore at a young age because I I was like wow I have felt I've never felt well in my life and I'm still struggling with some symptoms but I know like when I feel good I'm even like I've got like a rash right now but um 
So I actually, you just got a rebounder, right? Yes. How has that been? I I was, I know you had, you had said you had lost um, some more weight since you got it. And I was thinking if like your lymphatic system is finally like working and detoxing and getting rid of it. I think, I think so. Because when I first got it and I, and I do see a physical therapist and, mm-hmm. um, and I had just completed a plank challenge in January because I yeah. wasn't able to do a plank before at all. Like I tried. You can do them longer than me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> did you see the last one I did in January 31st was a minute, 11 seconds. It's crazy. I can, I can maybe do 20 seconds and I'm like shaken. Oh my God. They're hard. But yeah, you know, the first one I did, like I had tried it before I'd lost as much weight as I have, but mm-hmm. I couldn't even get my belly off the ground. And so January 1st, like I was feeling better. I felt I'd been doing some exercise. I'd lost a lot of weight. And so I decided I'm going to try it. So January 1st, it was eight seconds. <laughs> I was so thrilled to even get a plank done. And it was a horrible, horrible form and all that. But yeah, by December 31st, it was a minute and 11 seconds that I was able to hold it. Um, but then for February, I decided I'm going to do a step challenge, but I also got a plank, uh, a rebounder in, I started using the rebounder and my physical therapist told me, go slow, <laughs> be, you know, be careful. Just don't even try to get out, get any, any air, just bounce, <laughs> no do a little do a little marching, but don't try to clear air, you know, anything like that. And so I, I, I was so, I was having so much fun with it. It's hard. Oh my goodness. You really feel it in your calves, but I was using it quite a, quite a few times during the day. I had no idea that it can really like unblock your lymphatic system and get all the lymph flowing. And I ended up exhausted feeling like I was coming down with the flu Mm -hmm. and like, what on earth? And I, I felt terrible. And I mentioned it on my channel and my, a lot of my viewers said it's the rebounder gets your lymphatic system going. So I got through that. I flushed it out, drank a lot of water, slowed it down. And, um, so I have been using it more appropriately. Now I am getting a little air every once in a while, but I was just shocked at my latest weigh in. I know you're, we're pre-recording this, so it's not real time, but, um, my weigh in, which was February 12th, which is the last one I did was the biggest one week loss I'd ever experienced. I, including my actual fat loss, I lost 6.4 pounds in one week and I have a body composition scale. So I just was curious. I've never had a lot of water loss or fluid loss. I wasn't sure. So the fluid loss was like 0.4. I gained muscle. I gained some more bone um, density and uh, yeah, I lost that much fat in one week. So I don't know. I put it out there to my viewers. Do you think it's the rebounder? And I've had so many people say, yeah, I think it's the rebounder. I need a good one. <laughs> oh my gosh. I had no idea. I don't think my neighbors would like me though. <laughs> well, you're young. You could probably really bounce with me. I just, uh, but you know, occasionally, like I said, I do occasionally catch some air, but not a whole lot. Well, what I do is I like, if I'm in the shower, I'll do like, like lymph massage and then I'll kind of like shake. And sometimes I'll just like, I'll go up on my toes and kind of bounce, but I would love to have a rebounder. Yeah, I do a, I do the progressive, you know, steps to 
get the lymph flowing before yeah. I do my rebounder. Oh, I do yeah. that once a day before I do the rebounder. Um, so I, hopefully that's helping get things flowing, but, um, yeah, but, and then weight loss, I haven't really mentioned the weight loss. I've, right. I mean, I've, haven't actually told you the numbers, right. but, um, I wrote, I write them down. So I started, so I started carnivore officially May 29th of 2023. So it's been almost eight and a half months now. Um, and so as of yesterday, which was February the 12th, my total scale loss is 73.8 pounds, but I've gained 24.4 pounds of muscle and bone, good tissue. So my oh. actual fat loss is 98.2 pounds in that period of time. Um, I have just within the last couple of weeks not had to use my CPAP machine anymore. I had, yes, severe, yeah. Yeah, I had severe sleep apnea and I have been using a CPAP machine for over 15 years and I accidentally fell asleep without it. I was too nervous to test it out on my own, but I accidentally fell asleep without it. And I do have a smartwatch that tracks my sleep. And so I woke up and realized it. So I checked my, my app for my watch and, and no awakenings at all. And my sleep was great. My husband, he gets up real early. So he wa he'll watch me sleep and watch my breathing. And he, every day he's watching it. Cause I told him, let's just see what happens. And right. he said, my breathing's regular, no apneic episodes, no snoring. And so now I've been two weeks without my CPAP machine and I'm not having decreases in energy. I'm not having headaches. So I'm thinking I'm don't have sleep apnea anymore. Wow. I just, I love hearing stories like this. You know, I, I actually, I ran into a woman at uh, the grocery store and she just happened to be watching me reading the, reading the ingredients on stuff. And she, we just struck up a conversation and she said that she just got her tonsils removed because she has sleep apnea. And I was like, I said, you can reverse sleep apnea. And she goes, no, you can't. She oh, like, yeah, gets kind of mad because you know she just went through surgery. Because... I know I call it the roto rooter surgery, and it's horrible. They they take out your tonsils and your adenoids, and they basically they're opening up your your airway there in the back of your throat. It's I, my yeah. brother actually had that surgery. Oh, yeah, I, so I I told her to go carnivore, and she goes, "It's interesting you say that because I don't know when the Atkins diet came out, but." when that came out she did it and back then it was actually mostly meat yeah and she goes when i did the atkins diet when it first came out i felt the best i ever had in my life yeah and i was like yeah that's she, a clue yeah and her you know her cart was and i'm not trying to you know it, it was full of healthy stuff like i mean it was like fruit and vegetables i'm like right of that though you know maybe not forever, but just so your body can heal. And yeah. I think that is like carnivore, the carnivore diet is, you know, I love the way Judy Cho puts it. It's like the ultimate elimination diet. And yes, it's so therapeutic for us. And yeah. I try to tell people before we had grocery stores, what were we eating? We rarely would honestly eat plants because it was hard to grow. And it, it's just easier to kill an animal, unfortunately. And, and, and the animal provides 
the degree of energy needed yeah. for that type of outdoor life, yep. you know, and the fat from the animal is so important. Yeah. And I agree. yeah. And I, I know that so many people that I talk to are surprised to find out that there's actual anti-nutrients in plants, you know, I because they, yeah, I was too. They hear yeah. all about all of the minerals and vitamins and the nutrients in plants, but, and how healthy it is to eat plants, but nobody realizes that there's also toxins in plants and the, the others carcinogens. I mean, the list is a laundry list of things that those plant defense chemicals there so i yeah i never i never liked vegetables growing up and yeah i didn't I either i think that i think that's what like i think when kids spit something out it's intuitive yeah and um i had i just it's it's so sad to see people the first thing they feed their babies is a vegetable yeah um which i'm not bashing moms you know, you're doing what you are, you're told to do. And that's right. The They're doing their best have. with what they know right. to have a healthy baby. Yeah. But, um, it's, it's all backwards. It's all backwards. <laughs> and, you know, I, I cannot wait to have children and, um, I can't imagine how hard it is with all the things coming at you, but, um, I've seen right. a lot of mothers, uh, who are carnivore and that's what they give their kids and yeah. it works. So, uh, well, let's, let's go ahead and wrap this up. You are, you are so smart and you know so much and carnivore has done wonders yeah. for you and for so many other people. Um, where can people find you? I know you have a YouTube channel. And what's your name and all that fun stuff? Yeah, so my YouTube channel is Midlife Carnivore. And um, I do have a Gmail account of the same name, Midlife Carnivore yeah. at gmail.com. I have an Instagram account, which I do not hardly use, but I can be, you can DM me on my Instagram account. Same thing, Midlife Carnivore. I think Instagram wouldn't let me have the E on the carnivore at the end, but you can find me there. Um, yeah, I'm not I'm not a big Instagram person. I think it's just that my age, I don't know. It's, <laughs> but, yeah, it's yeah, it's more of a young. I need to learn how to do more on Instagram. But um yeah, you can DM me there if you want. I do communicate a lot through the message feature of Instagram. Perfect. And what is before we go, what is one thing that you would tell the listeners to start doing to take back control of their health? Just like you did. I think first of all is be open to the alternative, what's considered alternative um, approaches to health and not be sucked into only listening to what your doctor tells you. Um, as somebody who's been to so many doctors over the years, they're just people and I don't doubt all their intentions, but they get very much boxed into what they've been taught. Very few doctors have the time or the energy to research anything outside of what they've learned, or maybe they'll read the conclusion of a clinical trial, which often does not, is not really accurate. Mm -hmm. Be willing to be open to listening to other people. And when it comes to using, you know, a carnivore diet, 
if you're skeptical about it, there are now so many people on YouTube sharing their stories about how it's impacted their lives and the healing that they've gotten. And I would say start out listening to those stories because if you're not convinced, you're not going to do it. And so listen to the stories, listen to the carnivore docs, you know, listen to Dr. Barry, listen to Dr. Baker, Dr. Chafee, you know, all these different Dr. Hampton, all these different doctors and um, listen to the people who are interviewing. I have interviews on my channel, you know, go to Homestead Howe, listen to Carrie, you know, all the interviews that he does. And you will learn a lot and it will put a lot of your fears to rest. Your feels fears about like, well, aren't I going to give myself a heart attack? What about my cholesterol? Am I going to get constipated? All the different fears. But, but is an animal fat bad for you? All of those things are not accurate. So, and then if you decide, hey, you know, maybe I'll give this a try, just commit to 30 days. If you need to, if you need to kind of work towards it by starting to eliminate starchy carbs and then start to eliminate some of the things, do that. And, um, but I, the, the, the improvements are very quick. So like I said, everybody I've talked to, they, the decrease in inflammation is very fast. Like within the first yeah. few days, you're seeing the decrease in inflammation and then, and know, and know why you're doing it. Know what your goals are. Like, what is it you want to heal? It is a healing diet. So what is it you're trying to heal and get connected to the carnivore community, which is a fantastic supportive community. Yeah. They've, they've been amazing. And yeah, I think yeah. it took maybe two, two weeks for me to like get some strength back to where I was able to do things and then probably a good six months of um before I was I would say almost like like halfway healed I mean oh yeah I mean I would have flare-ups every now and then but I was I was able to work and do stuff and live my life and right um, it was it was almost a relief too because I wasn't so worried about what am I going to eat? I just yeah. Know what I was going to eat? And the eating is simple. The food is simple, and I don't you know, you don't I don't get tired of the food. But one thing else I'd say is that um, there's maybe a little bit from the outside looking in, there might be the impression that people who go on the carnivore diet are primarily going on it to lose weight. Mm -hmm. And as I've been in the carnivore community, I've realized that people who do lose weight is often just one of many things that are happening. So many people go and do the carnivore diet because of the healing for the chronic diseases that they have. And it, it, there's tons of people who do it for depression and mental illness, and it will absolutely help mental illness. It helps autoimmune diseases. So I would say if, if someone's listening and they go, well, it may be good for you, but it's not good for my disease that I have you're probably going to find people out there who have done the carnivore diet for your specific ailment and found relief from it. So it's really a therapeutic diet with a side benefit of weight loss. Yeah. So I'm, I'm in the other pool. I was severely underweight <laughs> right. when I started carnivore and now I'm, I'm at a healthy weight. Yeah. Um, it's great for anorexia. Yeah. I was, so my mass cell was I could not hold my bowels. So mm -hmm. I was 
as soon as I ate something, it would come out the end. Mm. And people were like, are you eating? I'm like, yes, I'm eating so much food. But I just, my nervous system was just in such a fight or flight. Right. Um, uh, it was like stuck. So I just, I couldn't keep weight on. And um, it was, it was scary because I couldn't yeah. eat anything either. I was eating like one food and because I had reacted to high histamine meat. So I compared right. it to meat. And um, I was like, you know what? Let's just do it. So I ate lamb and beef, and that was it. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty much my diet, you know, because I mean, I have an immune system disease. And so, very much people with autoimmune or diseases, or like myself with an immune system disease, if we find that we feel the best mm-hmm. with lamb and meat. But that doesn't mean everybody does that. Right. We just happen to need a more strict diet. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Lynn, thank you so much for letting me have you on. And you're welcome. Anything you. else you'd like to say? Just thank you. I'm so glad. I've, I'm so glad that I've met you, and um, I wish you all the best with your channel and your podcast that you're doing. I think you have a, a very important voice in the uh, carnivore community. Oh, thank you so much. Well, I of course will uh, will be chatting, and I'll be. Uh, always watching your YouTube videos. (laughs) Thank you. All right. Bye.